All right, welcome to the Red Triangle Sports Podcast, talking AFC East division preview tonight. I'm your host, Denver Desert Dog, Matt Kozlowski, joined as usual by the Steel Curtain, Eddie Mitchum. How's it going, Ed? It's great, Matt. You excited to talk AFC East? Yes. Well, if we're talking AFC East, do you care to introduce the guests in studio with us tonight? That's your job, man. All right, joining us from Take Your Ball and Go Home, Shane Stein. It's good to be here, Matt. <laughs> wow. Didn't see that coming. It's good to be back. We are happy to have you. felt like if there was one preseason podcast you were going to do with us, it had to be this one. Yeah, yeah, everyone knows the AFC is my favorite, so happy to make an appearance. Um, coming off an NFC East preview that we did Sunday night, um, we came to the consensus that that division's pretty exciting in terms of fantasy. I don't know if I feel the same about the, the counterpart in the American Football Conference. I think there's one exciting team and three meh teams. Putrid. There's value, though. There's value. No? Value is in the eye of the beholder. Alright, well we're going to find out how we feel about these teams. Might as well get the good one out of the way. And the whole reason Shane's here with us tonight. The New England Patriots. Um, obviously this team centers around its quarterback, uh, Tom Brady. Gun, gun to your head. Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, quarterback one in 2017. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Oh, man. I think I'd go Brady. I know I said Rodgers the other night, but, man, the more I think about it, I think, this, he, has, I think he has better weapons. This, I think, is the most loaded his offense has ever been since, ma- since I mean, maybe the Moss season. Yeah, since the Moss season. Yeah, I can't help I but could, look. Sorry to cut you off. I can't help but look at this roster and, and kind of feel like it's the same same setup. Yeah. We're looking at a, a team that could possibly put up those kind of numbers. But the reason I'm going to take Rodgers in that situation is age. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I'm, there's no bigger Brady fan than me, but at, at some point you, you just reach a certain age that, that you can't keep playing at a certain level. And I think Brady is, is the exception, but Rodgers just has too many years on him. I'll, I'll take Rodgers at the peak of his career. I feel like age doesn't even matter to Tom Brady. I'm over it at this point. <laughs> I, I can't say anything bad about him anymore. I see no reason why this couldn't be his best statistical season of his career. And how old is he? 38? 39. 39. He's going to be... I think that's a lofty state. He threw 50 touchdowns and interceptions in that Randy Moss season. I yeah. don't think. Yeah. I don't think that's repeatable. But, I mean. This could be his best one since that season. Yeah. Very much so. I think so. We have and a 36 and 4 season in his end. I don't see any way he doesn't throw 40 touchdowns this year. Another thing I will say is the Packers just cannot run the ball. No. Um, obviously, boost Rodgers, but... Although, 
we kind of like Ty Montgomery. Yeah, you should tune into that show, Shane. <laughs> you might think otherwise. I'll have to do that. <laughs> Um, all right, so the reason, one of the reasons we're excited about Tom Brady, um, they traded a first-round pick for Brandon Cooks, burner on the outside from the New Orleans Saints. Um, do you think Cooks has a chance to overtake Edelman as the number one receiver in this offense, or is Cooks just a nice supplement to Edelman still being the leader in this receiving core? No, not yet. To, to, to which one? The first one. He's okay. not going to overtake him. There's way too much rapport between Edelman and Brady. I don't think that you can just step in and do that. I think what they have is pretty special. Um, and just the chemistry and the option routes that they run. And I just think... I don't think Cooks can do that as, fe- as effectively as Edelman either. Well, this he's not going to overtake Edelman as the top option. Um, this offense has never really been focused on an outside receiver since Moss. Um, and Brandon Cooks is a far away from Randy Moss as far as a talent standpoint. Um, there, there's just too many... There's just, there's just too much. Ed said it best. There's too much rapport. I mean, Edelman's been there with Brady for, for too long now. They know each other too well. Um, those targets aren't going to change. Edelman, Edelman's status isn't going to change as, as what he is. Um that being said, I, I still think Cooks has a chance to, to put up a nice season. I, I, I really think with how much single coverage he's going to see with the other guys on that offense, I mean, he, I wouldn't be surprised to see him catch five, six deep balls for touchdowns this year at least. Yeah. You have to allocate defenders to the, to the short intermediate passing game because of Edelman. You have to allocate defenders to the deep middle because of Gronk. And if Cooks and Hogan are flying on the outside, I mean, Hogan showed that you have to at least respect him the way he played in the playoffs. So, what this sounds like to me is a lot of three-man, four-man pass rushes. And Brady's just going to be sitting back there. And these guys are just going to get crazy open. Um, I have my concerns about Cooks just because I feel like his whole game is kind of predicated around, like, I don't want to say playing in New Orleans, but I think you guys know what I mean. That The inside atmosphere that you get playing at home in New Orleans with just the fast track and the nice environment. And, I mean, him and Breeze were a perfect fit as far as what Breeze did well and what Cooks does well. I can see him maybe not putting up the numbers, but I think his value to this team may go beyond the numbers. Everyone's a little slower outside. Yeah. Everyone's a little slower outside. And it's cold. And, <laughs> and, and the weather. You know, yeah. It's a little different than being in a 70, 75 degree dome. Uh, get some rough weather up in the northeast, and everyone everyone seems to slow down a little bit when they're, when they're playing outside. So with that being said, I agree with you guys that Edelman will probably put up more fantasy points than Cooks this year. So... Um, is Gronk a total stay away at this point in his career, or is he a guy we're targeting in drafts? I think the only type of draft you can target him in is an auction draft in which maybe some people are weary of him and you can get him at a lower price than expected. Probably not going to happen, but to me, I think that's the only place you can get him. We did, I did, 
take him in an MFL, and it kind of destroyed us. Mm-hmm. It kind of proved that point that you can't step out and do that because it killed us afterwards, I felt like. Well, that was round two. And, yeah, that's that's just a... I think that's a steep price tag. Yeah, he's definitely not the slam dunk, like, early second rounder like he, like he has been in the past. Um, you always see him sitting there at the even end of first, early second is kind of where you start targeting him before now. It, I feel like it's got to be third, third round for, for Gronk. He's just too risky, uh, the injury concerns. Yeah. And the tight end position has changed. I mean, I, I think there's like 10 to 12 tight ends that I'd be okay with being my tight end one. It, it never used to be that way. It was Gronk, Gates, maybe one or two Witten, maybe another guy with him, and then everyone else. And that's just not the case anymore, I don't think. Well, if we're going to talk about the tight end landscape, there's no one better to have on the show than the Steel Curtain. Uh, no one surveys the, <laughs> the tight end landscape quite like Eddie Mitchum. Uh, guys solved the tight end puzzle more than anyone I've seen last year. No, no respect for that comment. I don't remember last year. <laughs> I think you picked Hunter Henry one week and he scored a <laughs> touchdown and he texted us. That's how you solved the tight end puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> Shane doesn't forget anything. Um, running back situation, they brought in Mike Gillisley and Rex Burkhead to go along with James White and Deion Lewis. Um, we've kind of agreed on a lot this offseason, Ed. This is one where I don't think we agree at all as far as who the guy to target in this backfield is so I'll let you lead off with what you're thinking here the headache <laughs> it's a headache to try and figure out and project I mean Belichick does that to us anyway even when there was two guys and you felt like it was only two guys to choose between Between now it's like two different guys that do one thing and two different guys that do another thing I mean it could be very week to week it could be very game plan oriented so projecting it's very tough. I mean, I have no idea where to go with it. Yeah, this is a wait and see for me. I mean, I'm definitely targeting Dion Lewis at some point. I think he's the first guy I would. Um, but to give a off the wall answer, whoever's going to hold on to the ball. Yeah. That's that's kind of who Belichick's going to go to. Um, if you can't hold on to the ball in the offense, you you, you find yourself on the bench real quick. Um, but I'm pretty excited about Gillisley. Um, Obviously, it's hard not to be with the way they use LeGarrette Blunt. Obviously, Gillespie, I think, is the one that would be seeing the, the red zone touches, the, the goal line touches. Yep. Um, he's got to be the guy that's probably going to score the most touchdowns. Um, I like Gillespie a lot. I agree with you on that, Shane. The second guy for me is Burkhead. Um, I think he's the clear handcuff here for Gillespie. I think Burkhead's a really good football player, and I think he can do... All, all aspects of the running game, whether it be first and second running downs, third down pass catching, um, pass blocking. I just think he is exactly the type of player that fits into the Patriots offense. And James White and Deion Lewis, um, for me, there's too many other guys that are going to eat up passing targets for them to really hold their value. So... I'm not excited about White or Lewis this season just because I like Cooks, Edelman, Gronk's going to get his targets. I like Chris Hogan more than anyone on this podcast. I can probably bet on that. And Ed has kind of sold me on Malcolm Mitchell as a player. So 
between those four guys or those five guys and then I just think Burkhead has I think Burkhead there's an outside shot he leads this team in fantasy points from the running back position if Gillisley busts so I, I view it I view it as almost like two groups I think Gillisley's the 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 first and second down guy with Burkhead being his handcuff. I think White's the pass catching back with Lewis as his handcuff is the way I'm looking at it right now. It's two different tiers. Lewis is dead fourth for me. Um, See, here's yeah, – and I, I get that and I agree with that because I think we all remember what James White did in the conference championship and in the Super Bowl. But I think Lewis is better at football than him. I agree. <laughs> I think James White's a better Patriot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I think Dion Lewis is a better player, yeah. which two totally different things. Yeah. They, yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand how people go to New England and just it fits perfectly. But Rex Burkhead, with with your with your point though, Rex Burkhead seems like a guy that's gonna fit. Yeah, he does. He seems like a guy that's he's an average player, average yeah. talent, <laughs> but he seems like he's gonna do everything right, and he can find himself a lot of extra touches in that offense. Yeah, this podcast is marked as explicit on iTunes, so I can say that he's an eat shit guy. <laughs> like, he's just going to do anything and everything that he's required to, to get the job done. And that's just, that fits into the Patriot way. So, um, we've spent a lot of time on a general overview on the Patriots. So, who's the, who's the player you like most in New England this year, heading into 2017? Brady. <laughs> Yeah, it's got to be Brady. <laughs> I mean, it's hard not to like him. Make it a clean sweep, although I don't mind Edelman going a couple rounds. What? He, do you have his ADP up? Who? Edelman. 53, I think. 55. So he's a round five pick right now. That's insane to me. That's well, some of the best value you can find. Middle round five for a guy you know is going to get... Eight targets a game. <laughs> I feel like we've been staring at him every round in MFLs in the fifth round, and we've always gone had like usually three receivers at that point, so we get never can take him. I know we have him in more. Yeah, but I'm not sure if we have him more than that. I'm also not sure he's a best ball guy. His consistency's through the roof, but I don't think the big weeks are there. No. So he's a close second to me, though, behind Brady, just for that pure value standpoint. Um, player you like least in New England this year? Danny Amendola. <laughs> I think he's absolutely phased out. That might be a cop-out pick, but I think he's got no value. Yeah, he's... I don't see a... I wouldn't be shocked if they cut him, but I don't know. I guess... Yeah. I think Amendola's on his course, but I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Malcolm Mitchell. I think he's going to be the guy that... You think he stinks, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think he's uh, nearly as good as everyone He's getting a little love in the fantasy world right now. I'm not sure why, because I think he's a clear fifth option in this passing game. But I think he's, I just think he's the odd man out. I mean, I'm not seeing a whole lot. Um, I just think he's going to be the guy that lines up outside. On the other side of Cooks. Yeah. Do you, do you think he beats Hogan out is what you're saying? I do. Okay. I think Hogan's going to be the down-the-field guy here and there. I think Mitchell's more of a polished route runner. I think he can do more. I could be right there, but... No, you're probably right. 
Um, player I like least. He's probably one of my favorite players, but I think it has to be Gronk. I just don't think we. I don't think you can do it, and I don't know. I I think the price tag for Gronk and Cooks. I don't think either of them reaches that price tag. There's just too many weapons. So, um, player with the most breakout potential on the Pats. Um. If fourth, if fourth quarter kneel downs were a stat, Garoppolo would be <laughs> a big time breakout. I want to say Gillisley, but I'm going to go with Mitchell. Yeah, I think it has to be Gillisley here. Um, just the potential to see so many rushing touchdown opportunities inside the five. I mean, LeGarrette Blount had, what, 19 touchdowns last year? I think it was 18. 18. Um, you put Gillisley in a role like that, no reason that he can't see double-digit touchdowns. God, this offense is going to be unstoppable if we have Brady for 40 and Gillisley for 10. Um, yeah, Gillisley is probably the easy answer, but I think I'm going to throw a bone towards Chris Hogan just because I think he beats Mitchell out, and for the same reasons you're picking Mitchell... There has to be so much attention towards Cooks, Gronk, and Edelman that I think Hogan's going to find himself a lot of one-on-one down the side. And I think him and Brady showed last year that they're on the same page in that. So, and Show the fact that Hogan flies. Yeah, he's really fast. You know he played lacrosse in college? Yeah. Did you hear about that? <laughs> Mentioned that a couple times in the playoffs last year. Um, I heard something about that. Yeah. Fantasy MVP on the Patriots. Who gives you the most bang for your buck? I guess this is probably where you go, Edelman, and get him in on the conversation because of the ADP. Uh, Thomas Brady gives you the most bang for your buck. Fourth rounder, right? Fourth round ADP? Yeah, he's, he's right around the 35 to 40 range. That's a steal. So yeah, 38. You're getting a top three quarterback and 30, 35 to 40. Yeah, and I, I hinted this in my – both answers are right. So I hinted this in my one of my articles in the draft guide that we've been writing. Um, the name of this game is consistency, week-to-week consistency, and you, there's no better way to get consistency than – taking a quarterback like Brady or Rodgers that gives you 20 points every week. It allows you to mitigate so much risk and it's just a steady baseline that your your opponent has to keep up with. Yeah, and it's basically going to keep you, I mean, depending on your scoring, it's going to keep you right around like 100 points no matter what every week. Just just by... You get a fifth of that from your quarterback (laughs) on 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 an average week. Yeah. So... I think I mentioned last year in our preseason podcast when we talked about quarterbacks that I'm starting to trend towards maybe being the first one to jump into the quarterback market. Um, I think I'm full bore on that this year. So I think if you can get Brady, Rodgers, or Breeze, I think you're setting yourself up for major success. And as much as I would love to include Andrew Luck in that, I just can't do it. Um, the fact that he's on the pup to start 
training camp. Not not a good situation. The dude just can, he can't stay healthy. So the sex swayed you, didn't it? Actually, I heard that he was on the pup today in the car on the radio, and I was like, "This is not good." If his shoulder's still bothering him, I didn't know you were going that way though for your uh, for your piece. So, all right, let's move over to the Buffalo Bills, where nobody circles the wagons like them. Shout out to Chris Berman, our favorite commentator. Missed him on the home run derby this year. Um, Sammy Watkins with a relatively clean offseason. Not a lot of talk about him coming back from injury. Um, they've lost their other three receivers in free agency. Marquise Goodwin, Bob Woods, and uh, Justin Hunter. So a lot of targets to be had in Tyrod Taylor's Buffalo Bills offense. Is this the year that Sammy Watkins finally returns the value that everyone thought that he would when he first came into the league. Um, uh, I think he has the I think best. Stella thinks so. Yeah, she's all in on Sammy. <laughs> um, I don't. I just have such a hard time getting excited about it. Like last night, we were checking out our projections and things like that. I just I can't see a, a season where he plays sixteen games. I can't. Um, I don't know. I guess this is the best chance he has to do it, but I'm still weary of Tyrod Taylor's ability, so. So you're saying, eh, maybe. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I don't know if I can get it on him or not. What round are you comfortable with Sammy Watkins? Fourth? Maybe. I mean, I'd have to look to pull off the top of my head. I'm not good at that kind of thing. All right, Shane, how do you feel about Sammy? Uh, That's a no for me. Um, just too many two catch three catch games in there for Sammy Watkins for me he's a one trick pony in my eyes um, either going to put you up a big game or he's going to put you up a clunker and not the kind of guy that I like to target um, if someone's going to have a bad game for me I'd, I'd, like, I'd like it to be five catches for 50 yards I'll take that instead of the three catches for 15 yards yeah well he burned me a lot good I have more EP of 31 Guys around him would be Allen Robinson at 30. I'd take him over him. Keenan Allen at 34. I mean, it's just the same guy, isn't it? <laughs> um, yes, but I think Allen is... If if you told me they were both going to play 15 games this year, I'd much rather have Allen. I agree. And I think Allen's injuries have been a little more fluky. Yeah, I mean, his spleen, his spleen exploded the one year, but... <laughs> Jarvis Landry at 37, I'll take Watkins. Alshon Jeffrey at 37, I'll take Jeffrey. And then you got Adams, Pryor, Tyreek. Golden Tate way down there. Two guys I think that are intriguing that are down in the mid-50s are Crabtree and Martavis. Yeah. Um, Sammy burned me last year. Spent $42 on him in the draft. I don't normally go back to a well after that happens, but... You know, the Bills declined his his fifth-year option, so he's an unrestricted free agent after this year. Sammy strikes me as someone that wants to get paid. Um, so... Very true. No? What? Why'd you look at me like that? Was that... 
questionable statement. Um, I just feel like he's going to go out there and do whatever he has to do to get a big contract. You it's probably his last chance at a big contract. You don't think Sammy loves himself some Sammy? Because I do. All right, Ed. Thanks for the input. I'm not taking the bait. There's no bait. It's a, it's an honest question. I, I where else are the targets going to go in this team? I don't know. We'll get there. Yeah. Um. I guess we should talk about an intriguing rookie then. Ed, how do you feel about Zay Jones? Love me some Zay Jones. ECU baby. ECU. ECU. I used to run around with Jakey Ducey a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I like him. I like him. I think he's going to be a good complement to a healthy Sammy Watkins. I think they're completely different skill sets. He's more of a possession guy, big body guy, kind of box you out for the ball. Um, He's definitely not a burner, but a lot of passes caught in college at a very different type of offense, but I think he can run a ton of different routes. They were a high-volume passing game, right? Yes. Yeah, they're that no-huddle, dink-and-dunk, garbage college offense. But I think in that, I think you learn to run a lot of short, intermediate routes, which I think probably helps Tyrod Taylor. Kind of what the NFL is turning into nowadays, isn't it, though? I mean, I, I like I like, uh, I like Zay. I think he's uh, going to have a really nice season. I think he's going to be really good value in the draft. Um not to say that I love the Bills' offense all that much through the air, but, I mean, like you said, who else is going to get the targets there? I think he, he has the potential to be not a breakout star, but a breakout performer in fantasy as far as constant week-to-week flex play. Sounds like a uh, Sterling Shepard-esque bidding war between two guys <laughs> that have all the money in our own, in our own league. Um, you know, as much as we knock the Bills' passing game, Tyrod throws a pretty ball. I think part of it is the fact that he has such a tendency to tuck. But he throws a nice deep ball. I, th- I could see. That's why I'm I'm okay with him. I just, they run the ball so much. And he runs the ball so much when passing plays break down that I think that's what hurts their passing game. So, um, I was kind of all in on Tyrod Taylor this year. I want no parts of him. Or last year. I, want, I don't really want any parts of him this year. And. It's not really a knock on him. It's just the fact that, like I said, they run the ball so much. In our league this year, we're going to six-point passing touchdowns, which really hurts the value of the running quarterback, I think, because part of the boost was rushing touchdowns. And I also think the QB position has never been deeper. So you guys agree with that, or is Tyrod someone you might be interested in as a QB too? I hated him last year. I hate him again. Never been a guy that I've targeted, and uh, I will not be targeting him this year either. He's kind of got a little David Garrard to him, though, right? Yeah, a little bit. Um, the rushing yards are nice, obviously, the, the rushing attempts, but just just doesn't do it through the air enough for me to be consistent enough to be my quarterback. All right, last question before we get into the um, quick ones on the Bills. Is Shady the clear-cut number four running back in fantasy football this year? And if not... Who is it? Uh, good question, right? Cause comes really out good. This is why we like Cause the host. Make sure you're prepared. I'm going to say yes, just because I don't think Melvin Gordon does it again. 
I don't know what the split's going to be. I think we're going to be surprised at what happens in Atlanta, so I can't put Freeman up there. Ajayi won't do it. I don't think Howard can do it. And I mean, the rest, no one else really contends. So De- I think DeMarco, I, DeMarco is the other guy. Yeah, I don't think... I wrote about him in my piece, too. I think he kind of gets starts to get phased out a little bit. I think they did an awful lot to get that passing game going. Um, yeah, I think I think it's McCoy. Uh, it is McCoy. Uh, Shady's a stud. I love myself some LaShawn McCoy. And I would not be surprised to see him even bust into the top three. Over Zeke? Yeah. Because of the suspension? Um, the looming suspension. Yeah, just in general. Right. I wouldn't be surprised. The the running game, the offensive coordinator in Buffalo is getting a lot of love for his uh, zone running scheme and apparently also his ability to utilize the running the running back in the passing game. Both perfect fits into LaShawn McCoy. I think we've, you and I at least, Shane, have always been waiting for Shady to suffer that running back early 30s career ender mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure it's this year if I don't I'm, I think they have a capable handcuff in Jonathan Williams that will allow them to maybe not utilize Shady as much as they did last year so for me that number four running back I'm probably leaning more Devontae Freeman um, but I'm okay with Shady too so All right, who is your favorite player in the Buffalo Bills offense? I guess for you guys, it's Shady. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's got to be McCoy. Uh, no one else really excites me all that much. I agree. Um, Sammy, a close second. But McCoy is the clear guy to target in the Buffalo offense. Who's the player you like least? Um... Any numbers, any receivers after Zay Jones? Three, three through five. I don't even know who five is, but I know three and four are Andre Holmes and Philly Brown. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with Charles Clay. Um, I think he's just useless at this point. <laughs> um, a, lot of, a lot of talk about him in la- a couple of years ago, how he was going to be top tier tight end, and those days, have, those days have ended. Can we feel good about his target opportunity, though, in this offense? Not really. <laughs> uh, I think I think Clay's done. <laughs> I think that's going to saves him for me. The fact that so many people have left, I think it opens up a path where he gets a lot more targets. So I'm not going to say I hate him because I see a path where he puts up a decent season. I mean, I'm, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not looking to get Charles Clay on my team, but I'm not going to pick him as guys I most uh, the guys I like least because I see a path where he holds some value. I can see him leading this team in receiving touchdowns. Just because I think he's the clear red zone target in this offense. I don't think that's Sammy's game. How many touchdowns would you say that is? Um, we have him projected right now for three. I was going to say, it can't be more than four. We have seven for uh, Sammy. so. But I think I need to up that a little bit from three, so... I'm going to give him five. Just going to fix that quick. 
that was one thing I didn't fix when we went back over the Bills last night, Ed. So um, I'm okay with Charles Clay. Tyrod Taylor's the guy like least in this offense. Just too many other quarterbacks, in my opinion, that are competing for a viable QB2 candidates. So unlike all the other quarterbacks in the league, I don't see a path to him being top 10. So who has the most breakout potential in Buffalo? Easily Zay Jones. Uh, I'm going to go with Jonathan Williams. Uh, I think it's him just because of the, the injury potential for McCoy is still there. Um, something drastic happens. Williams take over, takes over an offense pretty much as a lone back. And you're going to be the lone back in Buffalo system. Completely agree with you, Shane. I see where you're going with Zay Jones, Ed, but... This is this is a running game you want to get a piece of. And if Jonathan Williams is the guy, Mike Tolbert's not going to be the one stealing carries from him. So. Yeah, but he's injury dependent. You can't really pick him. I'm not going to project an injury to pick a breakout guy. I understand that. I just got to hold value on the draft day. Why aren't we saying if Sammy Watkins goes down to Zay Jones as a target hog? Because the Bills like to run the ball? Because Sammy never goes down. I mean, you can like to run the ball, that's fine, but when you line up Andre Holmes and Corey Brown, what's your running game doing? You think NFL defenses are going to say, ah, let's play two high safeties against Corey Brown and Andre Holmes? Probably not, no. I like Williams, Ed. We did say that you have to agree with Shane at least once on the show. I think that time has already passed, so. Um... Fantasy MVP on the Buffalo Bills. I mean, we named all three guys that hold any value, so where else can you go? I think Charles Clay is the fantasy MVP on this team. I think if you if he's the if you get him at tight end twelve, you're tight end one, you're the last guy in, I think. Similar to what I said about Jason Witten last night, I could see a season like that for him. It's LaShawn McCoy. <laughs> it's not close. Okay. Way to cop out with the first round pick there as an MVP. <laughs> I mean, who else do you want me to go with on this team? I mean, he's the steady guy. He's the one that, that pretty much does it all for him. This so. team's bad. <laughs> yeah. Are they good? No. Is their defense good, Ed? It regressed. Man, this this feels like a top ten pick in next year's draft. Yes. All right, move over to the Dolphins, where it gets even more exciting. In, in terms, very similar teams here: the <laughs> Dolphins and Bills. You got two receivers worth talking about, a running back that we're kind of okay with, and a quarterback that stinks. Um. Jay Ajayi is the leader in the clubhouse, I think, for the Dolphins. He's a late first, early second round pick right now. I'm not really excited about it. I think a lot of his value is tied into all the guys on the offensive line being healthy and playing together, and that's been a struggle for this team. Um, How do you guys feel about Jay Ajayi? Talked about in my piece, we're talking about a guy here that amassed 49% of his rushing yards in three 200-plus performances. I can't spend a late first, early second round pick on a guy that had three games. 
those three games were great. They were electric. He took the NFL by storm, but that's not a first, late first, early second round pick for me. That doesn't that doesn't sound sustainable to me. And I know we've said it a lot. You can't really win your league in the first round, um, but I think you can lose it. And JHI screams, lose your league with me, to me. Clearly, you guys know I'm out on Ajayi. Um, I'm the Ajayi owner in our home league. Um, not, for, not keeping him? Have him for seven bucks, and I will not be keeping him. Um, just for pretty much a lot of the reasons Ed said. It was all big game dependent, um, big run dependent, too. I mean, it was just all on just a couple big 80 yard runs. Um, a lot of his value was. Um, you can't expect that to keep going. I don't even think you were you even playing him in the playoffs. Um, I did. You did. Okay. Um, yeah, I agree on Ajayi. I think if he was there in the third round, I'd be more interested. But definitely not the price tag that's attached to him right now. Um, is this the last year we'll see Ryan Tannehill quarterbacking the Miami Dolphins? Could very well be. I thought I was in on Tannehill last year. I talked him up a little bit. Thought that he could take the next step. But he just shows time and time again he can't. This team is the only team that averaged less than 60 plays a game last year. They never had the ball. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, I think Tannehill stinks. <laughs> doesn't do anything for me. Um, doesn't throw a whole lot of touchdowns. Yeah. If you're gonna be a quarterback in the NFL, you you gotta throw touchdowns, and he just does not does not do it. Here's my first bold prediction of 2017. The 2018 starting quarterback on day one of the NFL season for the Miami Dolphins will be number eight, Kirk Cousins. Okay. I think that they go out and do what they have to do to get a big time quarterback on this offense last after this season. Because I think, as much as I kind of dogged them here leading up, I think this team's a quarterback away from being pretty decent. I like Landry and Parker. Um, I think Stills could be a great wide receiver three in an offense with a good with a serviceable quarterback. And Tannehill's just not that guy for me. So I'm completely out on Tannehill, and I think Cousins will be available. Because Washington refuses to pay him the money that he's deserved. And Miami's a, a clear clear landing spot because, like we mentioned, Tom Brady's 39 years old. And as much as we want to think that the Patriots are going to last forever, that's just not the case. And this division's going to be up for grabs in two, three years. So why not go out and get a quarterback and give yourself the best chance to be the, that, that team? I like that. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Cousins swinging the rock around to those guys down yeah. in Miami. And Gase, Gase, I mean, his track record with quarterbacks is pretty good. It's just, I think he needs good ones to really elevate them another step. Ed, how do you feel about Cousins in Miami? I'm okay with it. I don't I think it's a lawfully bold prediction, but that's why it's bold. Could be DeAndre Francois. Yeah. If they're picking at the top of the draft, he's definitely a candidate for a, a top quarterback in next year's draft. Um, 
speaking of the wide receivers in this offense, who do you guys like more, Jarvis Landry or Devontae Parker heading into this season? Jarvis Landry. And I don't like Jarvis Landry, but until I see it from Parker, I mean, this is two years in a row we're going to hype this guy. I get that he has all the physical abilities to be that big-time guy, but, I mean, he hasn't done it, so. Landry. Yeah, I agree, Landry. Um, I know Parker's going a little later than Landry in drafts, but the target volume that Landry's going to get, you can't you can't deny that, especially in a PPR-type format. Um, his value's pretty good as a late third-rounder. Just based on that alone. Like him to find the end zone a little more, but you know, beggars can't be choosy, I guess. Who's your favorite dolphin? God. I hate them all. I'll go with Landry. It's gotta be Landry. Yep. Clean sweep. Jarvis Landry's the best dolphin to own. Who's your least favorite dolphin? because of his ADP. I don't think he reaches that ceiling. I'm going to agree with Ed. J.H.I. Not, not chasing a J.I. this year. I'll go Tannehill as my least favorite Dolphin because he's not good at football. Um, I still think a J.I., although the performance may not be what we, th- what we would hope it would be for him, I still think there's no real candidate to dethrone him in Miami. So... Can't get excited about Damian Williams or Kenyon Drake. Uh, breakout potential in Miami. I guess we'll go Parker. <laughs> He's gonna. His nickname is soon gonna be Breakout Potential. Yeah, so that's, that's all he ever has is potential. <laughs> I feel like the easy answer here is Parker. Um, I'm gonna go Julius Thomas. Nice, me too. Yeah, I think uh, Julius Thomas has a chance to get back to, to form here a little bit. Maybe not quite as good as he was in, in Denver, but uh, I see the potential to have a nice season here. When Julius Thomas was a monster in Denver, who was the offensive coordinator for that team? Adam Gase. Adam Gase. I think he knows how to utilize Julius Thomas. Not that I'm comparing Ryan Tannehill to Peyton Manning in those prime seasons in Denver, <laughs> but um, I think the opportunity will be there. And we've just talked about how Landry struggles in the red zone, and I just can't buy into Parker, so I think Thomas becomes the red zone guy. Could be could be touchdown dependent, but um, I think there's a, a clear path to Thomas finding, finding the end zone six to eight times this year. And who's your fantasy MVP on the Dolphins? <laughs> Does every team have to have one? Julius Thomas. Yeah, I'll go with Thomas. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be Thomas. Just based on where you're going to get him. Alright, that was fun. Dolphins are not... They're just not... Oh, well, if you thought the Dolphins are fun, let's get to the yeah, Jets. Yeah, I like the Jets in terms of fantasy. There's some nice value here. Um, 
I guess we got to start with the running back situation. These are probably the two best players in this offense. Bilal Powell and Matt Forte. How do you guys see this shaking out? I'm clueless on this one. I feel like I feel like Powell has to take the lead in this, but I'm not sure. I feel like Forte's numbers were skewed because they were giving the ball way too much at the beginning of the year. I just feel like every year the, near the end of the year, Powell comes on and shows that he can play in this league and shows he can be a guy. I think that they have to make him more the guy this year. Man, this one is tough. Uh, huge Matt Forte fan. Uh, he's a great football player, but I think age is starting to run its course. Uh, I'm going to take Powell over Forte in this offense. Uh, this one's tough for me, too. I don't see any reason to believe that Powell can hold up for a whole season. I, I, we haven't seen it yet. Um, I know the pass-catching ability is nice because this team should be throwing the ball a lot. But I think this is going to be a, just an even split. And these guys are going to see a majority of the carries and a good amount of targets which probably makes it more annoying because I think they're probably both flex candidates for the season I don't think either of them are no one's going to be as excited starting either of these guys in their RB2 spot no you can't you can't um the top receiver in this offense is Quincy and Nunwa I think Ed I think you're pretty high on Quincy yeah, I mean, we snuck some good value out of him before the Decker drop. I think his ADP has kind of flown through the roof since Decker's left town. Uh, but I definitely love Quincy Inunua. Uh We wrote about him in the article. I, th- I think it's kind of surprising to see that he got 105 targets last year with Marsh Decker still there, albeit both in and out of the lineup, kind of. But uh, I think I'm kind of excited about Quincy Inunua. Yeah, Numa showed some uh, showed some potential last year. Um, had a had a bunch of nice games. I'm actually actually excited about him. I uh, wouldn't mind putting him in my flex spot this year. I don't think. What's his ADP, Ed? Right around seventy. No, sorry, ninety-five. Powell seventy. That's that's really good ADP for him. I think he's the clear target leader in this offense. Um, Right now, we have him projected for 122 targets, Ed. Nice, yeah. little, nice little bump up from last year. Yeah, I have him at. Uh, I have him at 109. All right, and the guy lining up on the other side of him, Robbie Anderson. I think he's another guy we can get excited about. There's not many people, and I'll. I'll Give Shane props for this. There's not a lot of people that can say Robbie Anderson played a role in them winning their league, but we can. He was a big part of it. Robbie Anderson got himself a ring last year. Yeah. Um, no, I think uh, I think Anderson's a draftable guy. I think he's a guy you can put on the end of your bench. Um, so he's definitely going to be a waiver wire target for somebody. I think at some point, um, number two guy in New York. Obviously, you're not too jacked up about that, but. I think he's certainly a guy that you can use as a fill-in. 
Well, here's why I'm excited about Anunma and Anderson, and I'm willing to take a chance on both of them. Josh McCown's not a bad quarterback. I don't think he's a good quarterback, and there's no shot that he plays all 16 games because he's one of the dumbest people, it seems. He just takes licks all, all, all game long. Um, and I don't think the Jets will do a great job of protecting him and getting the ball out of his hand quickly and making sure he stays in a clean pocket. But there's some arm talent there that allows these guys to at least somewhat hit their potential, I think. But this team, this team clearly has tank written all over it. Everyone has talked about it. How long, even even without an injury, how long do they wait before they go to guys like Eddie and Hackenberg if they have something wrong? I mean, they have to see what they have with Petty. I can't, I in no world do, do I see Hackenberg ever making it in this league. No. no. Hackenberg might get a start or two and it's going to be a disaster. Yeah. And he's going to be terrible. But I think they need to see what they have with Petty. Um, to me, this team just seems like one that's going to be picking another quarterback at next year in the first three picks of the draft so for that reason I could see them riding McCown out but I don't know like I don't think there's any way Petty or Hackenberg steps on the field this year and the Jets are in the top three and they say oh we don't need to go get a quarterback and I think they know that already I think if they didn't know that Decker wouldn't be in Tennessee um and they would have maybe even given it a little bit of a chance. But they know their quarterback position is broken. And the only way they're going to fix it is by being in the top five in next year's draft. So I agree with everything you're saying. I'm just concerned. What does it do to Anunua and Robbie Anderson that we're kind of okay with if they decide to find out what they have in Petty and maybe even Hackenberg? They completely bottom out. I, th- I think what we're saying is that we're okay with where you're going to be able to get Anunua and Anderson. And I think their value hinges on whether or not McCown's playing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you're good with where you're good with where you're getting them because if McCown's the guy, they have a chance to exceed their draft value. And where you're getting them at, they're not going to make or break your team. So if Petty does go in there, hopefully, hopefully you're not so reliant upon Quincy and Numa that your team completely breaks down. <laughs> if if McCown's not the guy. I mean, there's really no one on this team, I think, I think we can all might agree that you're going to be okay starting outside of a flex play. I, mean, I can't I can't see one. We spent way too much time talking about them already, so let's get into it. Favorite Jet? Anunma. I'm going to go with Bilal Powell. Powell. <laughs> um... I'll go. <laughs> I'll go with Numa too. I agree with you, Ed. I until I know how the running back split's going to shake out, I can't get behind Powell, even though I think he's the better uh, better runner than Forte at this stage in the career. Uh, least favorite Jet. The quarterback situation. Yeah, just about anyone they run out of quarterback. It's going to be a tough game. 
fantasy play for me. Um, mine's Austin Safarian Jenkins. This just situation seems like it's going to end with him getting arrested at some point this year. <laughs> you can't do this every Sunday and get the crap kicked out of you and then have the off-the-field issues that this guy has and not expect something horrific to happen. So, uh, Safarian Jenkins stinks. He's not a, he's not a thing. Uh, breakout potential. Jordan Leggett. The other tight end in the offense. Yeah, I think it's his job. What do you know about Jordan Leggett? What do you want to know about Jordan Leggett? Played at Clemson. Made some big plays for them in the championship run. Um, he's a bigger guy. He's 6'5", 258. Is he, uh, is he a rookie? Think, yes. <clears throat> the Henson making plays for them in the championship. Yeah, I, yeah, thanks. I know. Bad question. Yeah, I think... I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of like intriguing rookie tight ends this year. Yeah, I'm going to go with Leggett as well. Um, I liked what I saw from him down the stretch in the, in the college football playoff. Um, big target, big guy, decent speed. Um, obviously not excited about who's going to be getting him the ball, but I guess if we have to name somebody, he has a breakout potential. If there's one position McCown can get the ball to, though, tight end. Is he the guy that made Barnage a thing? I believe so. Okay. I can get behind Leggett. Um, I was going to say the other receiver in this offense that we didn't mention, uh, Mark Marquise Marquez Wilson. Decent, decent couple games with the Bears in his career. So I think he has a chance to maybe put up the numbers that we'd expect from like a Robbie Anderson if Anderson proves to not be good at football. I think Wilson's the next best receiver in this offense. I think it's Sharon Peak. What what do you know about Sharon Peak? Another rookie from Clemson. Hmm. Is he a burner? I don't honestly know that much about but I'm looking at their projected depth chart. They have Sharon Peak at the three they have Wilson buried. That may just be because he just signed with them a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it could be, but I, th- I mean, I don't know. There's Ardarius Stewart too. He's kind of more of a shifty guy. He's he's a rookie out of Alabama. He's more of your uh, underneath speedy type guy. He's a five eleven receiver, so I think he kind of brings a different. He could see the field a decent amount because he's kind of a different type of guy. Is there any chance Powell breaks out and we? Talk about him as a second round pick next year. Don't see it happening in this offense. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that this team's going to be in a that much of a better position next year where you want their running back as the second round pick. But as I say that, I start to think of Jordan Howard. So I don't know. I guess I could see it. I could just see Powell getting so many targets. What's Forte's contract situation? I think they both signed three-year deals last year. Mm. But, I mean, Forte, if it doesn't work out this year, he's a clear-cut candidate for next year. Uh, Fantasy MVP (laughs) on the Jets. (laughs) Anunla. 
This has got to be Pal. <laughs> um, I'll go with Anunua as well. I don't know why. I guess it's someone has to get the ball in the passing game. Don't do that. <laughs> why? You know I hate that. It's a thing. It's not a thing. Why is it not a thing? Because it's not. Every NFL team is going to throw the ball at least 450 times. Somebody somebody has to get those targets. We've talked about this. Yes, targets are great, but getting the ball thrown your direction doesn't mean you're going to catch them. We tried this with Torrey Smith in San Francisco last year. <laughs> Torrey Smith was a thing at draft, uh, draft time last year because someone was going to catch the ball in San Francisco. And sure as hell, no one caught the ball in San Francisco. <laughs> Someone's going to catch the ball this year in San Francisco. I know that. He's a Frenchman. No? I didn't know we were doing that division. Sorry. Just felt like I wanted to add that in there. Um, Anything else for the good of the AFC East? Really bottomed out quickly. Seems like a pretty cut and dry division, huh? Yeah, you're gonna have one team that's gonna win. Pats twelve and four, <laughs> Dolphins or Bills eight and eight. Everyone else six and ten or worse. Pretty much, yeah. Ed, you agree? Yeah, it's it's awful. Right. I'm glad the Dolphins made the playoffs last year because they won't be there for a while. I forgot that they made the playoffs. Who'd they get in over? I don't Tennessee. Tennessee. Uh, yep. Because Mariota got hurt. And then Matt Moore got blown up by Shazier. Yeah. Still was a dirty hit. Um, Alright, so that's that's it for the AFC East. I guess next will be the AFC North. Um, continuing to work through the draft guide. You can find us on Twitter at Red Triangle 23 um, try and get a Twitter poll up tomorrow. See if we can get some some feedback from our listeners on uh, maybe something with the AFC North since that's the next pod we'll be doing. Um, I'd like to thank Shane Stein for making an appearance tonight. It's good to see you. It's good to be back, guys. And uh, thanks, Eddie, for joining me as always as the left-hand man in the, re- in the red triangle. You're left, right? Yes, sir. All right. And uh, we'll do AFC North tomorrow. We'll be one month away from our draft day. Tomorrow's the one, inside one month mark. So thank you to Shane Netty. I'm your host, Matt Kozlowski, Denver Desert Dog. And we'll talk to you guys later this week.